Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. And the bottom line is, you can't say he's not your president. You can't say that Bush wasn't your president. You can't say that Clinton wasn't your president because these were all your presidents. And they fulfilled an office that God allowed and or ordained them to fulfill. And we need to be really careful about how we speak about those whom God has placed in authority over us. Even if you don't respect the man, you have to respect the office, for there is no authority except from God. I can see the promised land, though there's pain within the plan. There is victory in the end, your love is my battle cry, the answer for all my life. Every giant will fall, the mountains will move, every chain of the past you've broken into, all the fear of the lies, we're singing the truth. That nothing is impossible with you Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've joined us today for the broadcast. And as we always do, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues with his study through the Book of Romans with a series of messages he's entitled, Changed Relationships with God. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the Book of Romans, Chapter 13. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Father, we thank you that we can gather today in this meeting house as your church to study your word and to be challenged and changed by it. Spirit works within us to help us to understand and apply the word of God to our lives and the world around us. Lord, this morning, just grant me utterance and clarity of speech and expression and all these people understanding of your will is found in your word. Pray this in Jesus. Amen. We return to our study of Romans. We are in Romans uh, 13. Today we have made it out of Romans 12. Amazing. It's still in the context of how the gospel, of how salvation changes your relationship with the world around you. And so we're going to see how the gospel changes our relationship with the government, which we normally don't think of too much. Uh, What we're also going to be talking about too is, you know, is how we live lives that are not conformed to this world, but have been transformed by the renewing of our mind as we demonstrate, as we explore, as we test and prove and show what is the good and acceptable will of God. As you recall, as we've talked about Romans, get Romans right, you get Christianity right. Romans summarizes everything that's taught in the Old and the New Testament. Romans uh, structured this way, chapters 1 through 11 are the principles of Christianity. And chapters 12 through 16 are, is the, all about the application of those principles. And so when we look here today into our passage, we understand that the application of these principles is worship. You, you, you know, you work you all the way through Romans chapter 11, you come to Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, logical service of worship. That's what we're into right now. What does worship look like? What does your witness look like? What is your testimony of what you have believed in and whom you have trusted 
look like. And for that, we come to Romans chapter 13. We'll be looking at verses 1 to 7 today. And this message is entitled, Christian in the Government, Salvation Changes Every Relationship with People, Places, and Things. And let me just read the text for you briefly, and we'll get into the message. Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. And it says this. It begins with a let. When you see let in the New Testament and the Old Testament, it's a command. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, but if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, Revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Well, let me tell you what, when you look at that, it cuts, it cuts to the quick across those on the left and those on the right, so to speak, because it really challenges our thinking about how we think about government, how we think about authority, which brings us to Tai Sai Sing, Tai Sai Sing. Most of you, all of you, I would suggest don't know her. Tai Sai Sing was a 32-year-old Buddhist young lady who came to my church in Northridge and said, is this a Christian church? And we said, it is. Well, I would like to learn about Christianity. If you know anything about Buddhism, it's very difficult to make an inroad with a Buddhist. But in time, uh, in time, Tai came to Christ and her life was transformed. Her mind was renewed. Her whole world changed. I never will forget it. And then she said, I think I'm going to read the book of Romans. And can you give me a good commentary? So I gave her a commentary. Who reads commentaries, you know, besides pastors? Ty did. Ty reads the commentary. Ty reads the book of Romans. Then she asked to meet with the elders of the church. She came to see us and said, I've been reading in the book of Romans. And she goes, I'm going to sell my possessions. I'm going to sell my condominium. I'm going to sell my car. I'm going to quit my job. And I thought, And let me guess, you're going to go to Africa or some far off place. She goes, no, I'm going to self-deport. I was like, what? She goes, I'm here illegally. And as a Christian, my witness is such that I need to honor the king. I need to respect every human institution. So me and mom, we're going to go back to Thailand. I said, okay. I said, do you want to think about this a little bit? She goes, no, the word of God is clear. I'm here illegally. I need to go. It's going to be hard over there. We're going to be persecuted. But God is sovereign. He's in control. That's what the book of Romans tells me. And I'm going to go. And so she left. Today, she rescues uh, young girls from sex traffickers in Bangkok. She is the director of an orphanage there. She started from nothing. Her family did not like her Christianity. She suffered intense persecution. But today, she makes a difference for the gospel. Which brings us to Julian Sandoval, not the soccer player. Julian Sandoval showed up at a church in Southern California, kind of a lapsed Roman Catholic guy. He was from Mexico, and uh, he came to Christ, and God changed his life. God changed his heart, changed his mind, changed his thinking. One day, Julian comes to the elders, and he goes, look, I'm going to have to sell everything I have here, I've accumulated over the years, and I'm going to have to leave the country. Why? Well, I've been reading in the book of Romans, 
And I've come to Romans 13, and I'm going to self-deport. Because I came here for a better opportunity. I came here for a better life, but I came here illegally. And I know that I need to go back to Mexico. I need, I, I need to honor the laws as a Christian. As a, my testimony is more important than my comfort. Providentially today, Julian pastors a church in Morelio, Mexico. And he, is an, he first grew to be an elder in that church, and now he pastors that church. And he sometimes sends students to seminary in California. You see, this passage here reminds us of what's really, really important. And that is to respect the authorities that God has put in place. Which brings us to Alexei and Piotr, two other men that you probably don't know. They were drug dealers in the former Soviet Union. I knew them. I've spent a lot of time with them in the past. And in fact, they double-crossed each other, even though they were brothers, and they vowed to kill each other. They both get arrested. They both get sent to prison. And the prison yard knows they're there, and the prison yard knows they're going to kill each other on sight. And so Alexei looks across the prison yard, and there's Piotr. Piotr looks across the prison yard, and there's Alexei. The crowd parts like the wet Red Sea. They start toward one another. They line up face to face, and Alexei goes, I just want you to know before you kill me that I've given my life to Jesus Christ, and I'm a born-again Christian, I love you, and I'm so sorry I've mistreated you. Peter goes, well, that's funny. That's what I was going to tell you. So they felt bad about being drug dealers, and they get out of prison, and you know what they do? They start the most successful drug rehab facility in eastern Russia, in a oblast, a state called Kabardino-Barkaria. I visited that place and ministered with them briefly. Uh, then something funny happened. Alexei realized there's a drug dealer. He'd committed a couple of crimes he'd never been caught for. And he talked about it with the elders of his church. And he said, you know, I've been reading that terrible, terrible book that we've been discussing here. And he goes, I need to go and turn myself in because I've never been convicted of a crime. And while God God has forgiven me of my sins and the consequences of my sin, eternally speaking, I am guilty. So he went back, turned himself in. And you know, the Russian authorities, it's not like it is here. So they sent him up for about four or five years. He went back to prison. Even though he was a born-again Christian, his sins had been washed away. Why? Because he had broken the law. And even bad governments have good laws sometimes. Which brings us back to Romans chapter 13, 1 through 7. In those seven verses, God makes four demands of every Christian, at least four, that we do well to consider as we try to live out our faith in this fallen and broken world. There are four demands here that we need to honor. Because God has commanded us to. The gospel makes four demands on us in our relationship to the government. And let's talk about the first demand right now. Demand number one, respect the government's authority. Respect the government's authority. Where do we see it? We see it in verse one. It's the opening sentence. Let every person be subject to governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist, every authority that exists has been instituted by God, even the good and the bad government. I want want you to look at this because what we have here is a command and two reasons. The command is let every person be subject to governing authorities. Reason number one is there is no authority except from God. Nobody's in power today that God hasn't allowed, prescribed, or ordained. And reason number two, that those that exist have been instituted by God. Now, it's really popular for some people in Christian circles, both real Christians and professing Christians to say, hey, I don't follow the government, I follow God. But you better be really careful when you say that, depending on how you relate to the government. I remember driving down the road in Green Bay, Wisconsin, driving to Appleton, Wisconsin to take my kids' music lessons, and George Bush had just been elected president, and somebody at a dormitory at the college had said, not my president. You know, people said he was a Nazi and things like that. Then 
Barack Obama was elected president, and you heard people call him a communist or he was a foreigner, he really wasn't a U.S. citizen, all kind of crazy things were said about him. And then Donald Trump was elected president, and he's called a white supremacist and a homophobe and all this kind of stuff. And the bottom line is, you can't say he's not your president. You can't say that Bush wasn't your president. You can't say that Clinton wasn't your president, because these were all your presidents. And they fulfilled an office that God allowed and or ordained them to fulfill. And we need to be really careful about how we speak about those whom God has placed in authority over us. Even if you don't respect the man, you have to respect the office, for there is no authority except from God. This is your president, this is your government, and you should be praying for it. You need to show respect, because for one reason or another, for blessing or for judgment, they have been installed by God. And this passage in Romans is not some obscure theme that just comes out of nowhere. This is the testimony of the scriptures. Romans 13, 1 says, let every person be subject to governing authorities. You also see this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. It says the same thing. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or the governors sent by him. And in both cases, Romans and 1 Peter, it's a command. It's not an option. It is instruction. It is prescriptive. It comes from the Holy Spirit through the pen of the apostles. These are not contingent upon your political affiliation or your ideology. These depend on your Christianity. God has installed them and their authority is on loan from God and we are to respect their role. Why? Because they are ministers of God, whether they know it or like it or not. Maybe I'm overstating my case. Somebody's going, well, you know, Keith, you you haven't thought about how bad these guys can be. Sure I have. The reality is it's possible to respect God's word and honor even a bad government that brings social order at some level. How do we know this? Because Jesus taught this. People like to break the law and say, well, Jesus wouldn't have supported that law. Look with me in Matthew 22, 52. Here's a perfect case where people, religious people, are trying to find a reason not to obey the government. This is the Pharisees seeking to trap Jesus, seeking to trip him up. They hate the Roman government, the Roman occupiers, almost as much as they hate Jesus. And so we have this this encounter play out here in Matthew 22, 52. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him, that's entangle Jesus, in his words. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. And you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. So they're trying to flatter him and set him up to trip him up. Tell us then, verse 17, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Caesar is a bad government. The Jews hated the Roman oppressor. Verse 18, but Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why is it? Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me a coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. That would be a Roman. And he said, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God. So, so what? What's going on here? Governments exist, even bad ones, to maintain order. They have a place in our lives, as Paul writes, Peter writes, is here. We are to respect that authority. We are to render taxes to whom taxes are due. We don't have a choice. This is the will of God found in the word of God. Now, before you react to the government, before you react to what I'm teaching, think. 
Because what we see here intimated and what we see in the world around us is this. Even authoritarian governments do good by the grace and the providence and the sovereignty of God. Rome was occupying Israel. And who was Rome's emperor during the time of Paul, during the time of Peter, when they say, be subject to every authority, honor the king, respect every human institution, show respect? Who are they talking about? Talking about Nero. Nero. Nero was one of the most bloodthirsty emperors there were. But you know what? It's not about personalities and power. It's about the purposes, the larger purposes of God. Daniel served under three terrible kings in the Old Testament. At least three. Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and Darius. And he served them well. And they didn't do a lot of good things to him or his friends from time to time. They did stupid things. And so we just need to realize this. You know, God's purposes are larger than this little thing we're looking at that we don't like. Or God's purposes are larger than your ideology du jour, whatever it is. And so we see in Romans 13, 1, let every person, every person, be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority from God except from God and those that exist have been instituted by him. No president could be elected if God didn't allow it or cause it. No ruler could rule. But see, this is, this is what we call common grace, the law of unintended consequences. Even bad governments do good things. Normally, the law of unintended consequences is we pass a law, we create a regulation, and it has terrible effects that we didn't see. In this case, it's not, there's no accident here. God has raised up men and women for such a time as this to fulfill certain roles in redemptive history, some for blessing, some for judgment. And we are to thoughtfully and carefully live out our faith as law-abiding citizens, presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. We are to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can live out our faith in a compelling way under the worst of circumstances. You cannot forget this. You have to remember this. In Matthew 5, 45 through 46, it talks about this. You have heard that it was said, you love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. We're supposed to be praying for and loving on everybody insofar as it depends on us. We're to be at peace with all men. And if we're just praying for the people we like, that's not a good thing. Furthermore, when it talks about here that he causes the rain to fall on the good and evil, the sun to rise on the just and the unjust, that's common grace. That even in bad places, good things happen. God raises up circumstances, institutions, and situations to bless his people despite how bad the institution or the governor, or the emperor, or Nero was, or is. He makes governments protect the good and the evil, just like rain falls on the evil and the good. He has murderers executed, even in Cuba. He jails rapists, even in communist China. He builds roads, even in the former Soviet Union and Russia. There are hospitals and universities in just about every country, even Iran. We, we use LASIK today for our eyes, right? I'm not going to ask you how many of you had LASIK done, but before there was LASIK, there was something called a radiokaryotomy. That was discovered under the communists in Russia and the old USSR. And that technique was perfected despite how corrupt and genocidal that regime was and has benefited the whole world. Now, hear me. Here's what I'm not saying. Don't leave here and say, well, Pastor Keith said, no matter, you know, 
Do whatever the government tells you no matter what it is. I didn't say that. Didn't hear me say that. I'm not saying be a good Nazi. We were only following orders. I'm not saying that at all. We will get to that. What I am saying is think before you react. Think, look before you leap when it comes to dealing with the government, when it comes to obeying the laws of the country, when it comes to paying taxes, when it comes to doing whatever you want to do. Christianity, as we talked about last week, is a thoughtful, rational, thinking religion. It's not a ritualistic Chanting prayers in languages you don't even know, doing empty and dead rituals day in and day out, week in and week out. Christianity is different. It is a relationship with the one, the true, the only, and the all-wise God who calls us to walk with him according to his word. And in so doing, we are to be good citizens. That's how we present our bodies, a sacrifice. Look with me at 1 Peter 2, 11 to 17. I want you to look at this at this larger block of thought here. I want you to think through it and read through it with me right now. Let's look at it. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. He's talking to believers. We're just passing through. We are citizens of heaven. We are sojourners and exiles. He's also writing to Jewish Christians scattered abroad. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. What does he warn them then? Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors sent by him to punish those who do evil and to the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for sin, for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. We have to remember who we represent, and we have to remember how we are called and commanded to represent him. And that's why Paul says, let every person be subject to governing authorities. There is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. This is our call. This is our command. This is how we bear witness to Christ. We are good citizens, which brings us to God's second command on us as Christ followers. The first command is to respect the government, respect the authority, respect those in authority over us. The second one, respect the source of the government's authority. Respect the source of the government's authority. Implicit and explicit in the text we've already read is that God is the source of their authority. Look with me at Romans 13, 1, and then 4 and 5. Let every person be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Verse 4, but if you do wrong, be afraid. For he, that's the king, that's the government, does not bear the sword in vain. Some people define government as the right to kill, right? Capital punishment. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience, for the sake of your witness, to be right with God and right with your neighbor. You are to be a law-abiding citizen out of reverence to God, out of a love for God. All governments come from God. Ouch! That just doesn't seem to sit right. But we are not to think like the world. We are to be conformed to the thinking of God's Word.
Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. If you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. Amen.